0: listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888-99CHART, 888-99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Welcome to Invest Talk, above average investing for the average investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have as long as they're financial. 888-99CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. Let's go to Mike in San Jose. How are you doing, Mike? Doing well. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling.
2: I have a uh, 401k from a former employer that I'm in the process of rolling over to an IRA okay. with my current broker. However, my, my broker won't do anything but give me uh, basically how's the rollover over IRA, as I'm sure is normal. My question is, what do I do with the funds? I have no clue on how to pick the right mutual funds or if, you know what kind of distribution of the funds I should be looking at as far as diversity.
1: How old are you, Mike? Uh, Mid 30s. Mid 30s. Okay, so being young, you want to kind of be aggressive. I know it's been very frightening being aggressive the last 10 years, but still, you got lots and lots of years. What to actually pick? If you don't know how to pick individual stocks, Mike, I probably would stick with ETFs, exchange-traded funds, and I probably, if I were you, I put. Maybe uh, 15% of that money in foreign ETFs. You know, they have some, maybe not in Europe. I don't suggest Europe, but maybe Asia, different parts of Asia. They have EWA, which is Australia. EWT is Taiwan. FXI is China. EWS is Singapore. EWH is Hong Kong. You know, you can put a little bit in each one of those. You know, uh, that would be your foreign exposure. Then for your domestic exposure... You, know, you probably would want to do QQQQ with his NASDAQ 100, which is kind of tech. So put some there. And I, I would just go to the ETS and buy a, a number of index funds and maybe uh, some specialty medical, a little bit of specialty medical, specialty energy, and maybe specialty tech. Those three areas.
2: Okay, so international
3: index fund, technology index funds, and uh, medical.
1: I would put some in the S P five hundred, you know, for a broad based uh, market, and buy a little bit on dips. Don't put it all to work at one time. Just kind of step into it as, and as the market goes down, if it goes down, you want to buy more, not less. Okay, thank you for your time. Thanks, Mike. Al in Seal Beach, how are you doing, Al?
2: I have a managed account with your firm, uh-huh. I'm, and then I also
3: am. I put the maximum in a four hundred one k, and I'm holding a couple of uh, stocks that I've had forever. Okay. Can I benefit from a Roth? Would that le- it lessen my taxes in the future? And what kind of investments can I put into a Roth? Can I put I-bonds, municipals, T-bonds,
1: yes. T-bills? Yes, you can put anything you want in a Roth. You can put anything you want in an IRA. Almost anything you want Almost. in both. How old are you? I'm 44. Okay.
3: The stocks that I've been holding, can I roll those into a Roth? I've had them forever.
1: Where are they now?
3: They're just in a reinvestment plan.
1: No, I don't think you can roll any any positions into a Roth or a regular IRA from a normal account. You have to put in cash, then buy what you want from them. The answer to your question is yes. Why do I say yes for everybody else? A Roth is something that you open up, a Roth IRA versus a regular IRA. You put money in there after tax, after tax. Whereas a regular IRA, the money you put in there, you don't have to pay income tax on. The reason why I'm telling you yes, Al, is because when you get to retirement, and the reason why I asked you at your age, yes, sir. how Understood. many years you got left, okay? Right. But when you reach retirement, and you hinted at it, when you're 65, what if you're still working part time somewhere and you still, but you want to take money, you need money from your IRA account? It would be wiser to take money out of the Roth then because you won't have to pay any taxes or income taxes on that money right. while you're paying income tax on the money that you're making, you're earning. When you eventually fully retire, well, not the assumption is that you're going to be in less tax brackets. You're trying to right. keep the lowest taxes. Then right. you can start taking from your regular. It from gives the regular. you, yeah, it gives you the freedom to pick and choose. Okay, I appreciate the call. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much.
0: Here are the directions for reaching Steve this afternoon with your question. Just call 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T. Have a question about how best to get into the market? Or maybe you're feeling unsure about your current investments. That's what this is all about. This is InvestTalk.
1: Let's go to Mike and Escondido. How are you doing, Mike? Hi, good, Steve. How are you? My question is dollar cost averaging.
3: And um, you know, do you have a general rule of thumb of, of which particular... I mean, I, I have a basic understanding of it.
1: Yeah. Want me to explain how it works? Yeah. This is, <laughs> the, this is the concept. It's, it's, it's not a hard concept, but it's very difficult to do when the market is crashing. It's okay. just very difficult to do because that means you keep buying and you keep losing money. But you're supposed to keep buying. You're supposed to do it in good times and bad times. Okay. What it is is putting the same exact amount of money, not number of shares, but the same exact amount of money to work on a very consistent basis, like once every two weeks, once every month, whatever system you decide to set up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you just keep buying. The, and the concept behind the idea behind the concept is, and the market's crashing and going down, you're buying more and more shares. As the market goes down, and you're driving your average cost down as the market's going down. Mm-hmm. And in actuality, you want it to keep going down for long periods of time, but then the last few years before you retire, you want to shoot up. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's, that's not always in an ideal world. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's the concept. And when the market starts rallying, what happens is you participate in the rally by continued dollar cost average. You know, because it, the market's going up and you're still buying as it goes up so you're making more and more money with the old stuff you bought months ago what it's trying to do is get away from timing the market Mike because it's almost impossible to know where the bottom is or where the top is it's more difficult to do it with individual stocks Mike it's much easier to do it with a mutual fund or an index fund or indexing because individual stocks it could go down and up regardless of what direction the market's going yeah, okay. so that's just harder to do And in actuality, if you had a lot of courage, when the market's going down, you keep putting more money and more money and more money. You increase the amount of dollar cost average. When the market's going up, you decrease it. Okay. Dollar cost averaging is over months and years putting the same amount of money in the same position, usually not an individual stock but a mutual fund or an index.
3: And in the end you you know, your your hope is that it goes it goes up and
1: just keeps going up and keeps going up. That's right.
3: And, and there's dips there's dips along the way, but Because yep.
1: the stock market has historically gone up. Okay. You know what I mean? It, it, it always has so far. But these last since two thousand today it hasn't. Very good. Thanks, guys. Good luck, Mike. Bye. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 99 chart. 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99CHART, 888-99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888-99-CHARTER our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888-992-4278. Okay, let's go talk to Art in Menlo Park. How are you doing, Art? Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Thank I you. I just got
2: a question about my uh, 401k. Okay. Um, when I reach uh, 59 and a half, I guess uh, you can start uh, taking distributions. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. At 65, I believe you can start. Are you still working at your employer? Uh, yes. Okay, and it's 65, I believe, is the age. You can even take it at oh, 62 know. in certain circumstances. Again, you need to probably talk to an accountant to get a, the real answer. Remember, i am it's not my expertise, but I believe you can take it even younger if you want to. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but you could. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, because actually my question was going to be, um, when you start taking uh, distributions, can you... Uh, take varying amounts or does it have to be one
1: set amount okay good that's a good question when you're in a 401k at age unless it's a Roth if it's a regular 401k which it probably is or an IRA you have to start taking it at age 70 and a half and that is if you are not working for them there are different rules if, you, if let's say you're still working you know you're 70 uh-huh. and you're still working I'm not sure about that rule but if you're not working you have to start taking IRA and 401k redistributions at 70 and a half the year that you reach 70 and a half
2: Yeah cuz actually uh the other part of the question was going to be if I'm still working um and I'm able to uh take distribution I was just wondering if you could uh take like take for example 2% one year and then the following year like take uh 3% and then
1: no, at seventy then half, the, uh, at seventy uh, half, they, they, the government has a formula that says, okay, at seventy and half, you're going to live to your ninety. Therefore, you need to take this much percent of your. You, oh, okay. You're told what you have to do. But again, oh. if you're working, art, if you're working past seventy, there may be rules that I'm not aware of, and that you need to talk to an accountant about. Oh, okay. If you're working. All right, Steve. Okay, but if you're not working, you have to take it based on the government's uh, formula.
2: Uh, but if you're working and you're under 70 and a half, I guess you can't take uh, distributions at all?
1: No, you can take a, you can take them all out if you want. As long as you're past 65, oh. you can take it all out.
2: Oh, okay. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're working or not, then. You that's right. in a higher but tax bracket, I guess. That's right.
1: That's what I was going to tell you. You're pushing yourself into the highest tax bracket there is, but you can still take them out. Oh, okay. Now, see, it depends on how much okay. money you make and what tax bracket you're in. So if you, let's say you make 50000 you take out $25,000. I put you up an income of 75000 that's going to be a higher tax bracket. Right. So you're going to have to pay more taxes. So you want to kind of play with it, not to, to pay to pay the least amount of taxes you can, Art. And an accountant will help oh, you with that.
2: Okay, Steve. Thanks, Thanks for the for call. The information.
1: That's a good call. Right. Thank you. Very good call. Thank you, Art. I appreciate it. Kevin, Tracy, how you doing, Kevin?
3: Good, good. Uh, I was just curious about uh, what kind of programs you guys use to uh, for uh, stock valuation.
1: Well, we have a number of systems that we use with various different calculations, and we try to give you a number, so we, you know, set of a range as close as we can. There's a very simple way if you want to do it yourself, which we use often just to see if there's evaluations. We take next year's earnings, figure out what that growth rate from this year, if it's going up 10%, 20%, and then multiply that times earnings per share. So if it's going up 20%, it's a $2 earnings per share. 20 times 2 is a $40 stock. There's a very simple way to evaluate a stock to get a valuation. There's other things we use. We use interest rates, we use some pretty sophisticated formulas.
0: Yeah, it depends on the company as well, whether it's a cyclical company or is it something that has a long-term steady trend uh, that you don't really have to worry about the business cycle affecting its earnings dramatically. And then that's that's also very important because those companies that are coming out of recession growing 40, 50%, but as the economic cycle you know kind of peter's out or we go back into some sort of a a dip in the economy then that obviously will turn around quickly
1: so it's much more complex than just saying well here's a stock and that is the valuation there's a lot of things that go into it sector interest rates the mortgage you know a bunch of things a bunch of things go into it so it's really difficult, Kevin. It's
3: what do uh, you discount it at? Do you discount it at the SP 500s or do you discount it at like uh, treasury funds?
1: Many of our calculations use the 10 year treasury based on that. There's competition for money between bonds, U.S. treasury because it's ultra safe, there's no risk, and then right. risk, which is stocks. So we like to use the treasury. Kevin, appreciate right. the call. Thank you. Thanks. Let's go to Steve and Encinitas. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. Steve, thanks. Thanks for the call. Hey.
3: I'm a financial advisor in Encinitas, and I was wondering what you thought of uh, living benefit riders and variable annuities. That's something that you like.
1: I'm not big on variable annuities. It's not that I used to work for insurance companies back east uh, for a long time, and variable annuities, uh, my biggest problem with them mm-hmm. is the expense.
3: Right. The fees are higher than if you buy a mutual fund, and obviously if you buy mutual funds, you no know, load, low fee type deal.
1: Yeah, I only buy no-load mutual funds. For, uh-huh. I only suggest that everybody buys no-load funds. And, you know, many a variable annuity means you get to invest the money in different instruments. Uh, you know, you can do indexing. You can buy whatever you want, whatever they're offering in the fund. But I know the expenses are very high. Uh, and I, I have a problem because a lot of people sell them, sell them to the wrong people, a lot of Insurance guys sell them Remember, I used to be an insurance person. Right. Sell them to the wrong people. In other words, yeah, you Don't sell. Particularly
3: the, some of the index annuity crowd of people go out and just sell everybody an equity index annuity. Yep. Is a is a tough one.
1: Just buy oh. the annuity direct yourself. You can avoid yeah. some costs. Yeah. And well, thanks again. Thanks. I appreciate the call, okay. Steve. I'm money manager Steve Peasley and we're here to help you get better results if we can with your invested dollars. That's our goal. Do you have a question? Check in now. 888-99-Chart.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on
1: the next Talk. 888-99-CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. How are you doing, Manuel?
4: I love you guys' the show. I've been listening for about three months, and I learned a lot of good stuff. My question for you today was, the company I work for matches us in our 401k with their own stock, and they're telling me that the stock's going to split you know, I know then you end up with twice as many shares, but why, why does it split is my question.
1: Okay, good question, Manuel. I bet you there's a lot of people out there that want to know why it does that. Why does a company split? Do you know if it's going to split two for one?
4: I'm not sure. Somebody, one of the other guys that's always paying attention to the okay. 401k a lot more than I do will tell okay. me that today.
1: Well, just to let you know that the most common split is two stocks for one, but they don't do that all the time. Sometimes it's three for two or five for three. You can do different ones. Uh-huh. But most common is two for one, so we'll try to stick with that. So what's happening is, is you had one share before at, let's say, it was $50 a share. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have two shares at twenty-five dollars a share. So you didn't really increase the value of your holdings at all. Splits do not increase the value of anything. They just give you more shares. Now why would they do that? One of the main reasons they do that manual is is to lower the price of the stock to make it more attractive for more people to buy. Think about this. What if the stock price was fifteen hundred dollars per share? How many people would be able to buy 100 shares or right, 50 no, shares? Not too many here. Yeah. That's right. So they keep splitting. Microsoft did this all throughout all its history when it first started. Split two for one. So did Qualcomm, Qualcomm, which is a huge San Diego Stop Actually, now.
2: I have own Qualcomm before it split I have
1: You can see if it never split, the price would be so high that not yeah. too many people would buy it. The most common reason manual is that they wanted to lower the price to be more attractive to more people. On the second reason they do it, the second reason they do it is to get more liquidity. In other words, if they split it two for one, they have twice as many shares out there to trade. Oh, it's okay. more liquid. more people can buy and sell. Same. It's related to the first reason, but that's the only reason why they split the shares. Okay. Does that sound good. Well, that answered
2: my question. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for listening, I Appreciate the call. How about if we go to Jim and Chula Vista? Hi, Jim.
2: Hi. How are you today? Good. Thanks for calling. Sometimes I've heard you say the price of a stock is 18.75. Yes. And you're going to place an order. Yes. But you don't buy it for 18.75.
1: You buy it cheaper. We try to. Yes. Yeah. We always bid less.
2: Okay, so in other words, when you get ready to do a trade, like on a stock trade or something, it'll have a bid and ask price? Yep. Okay, I didn't understand that. That's what I wanted to find out.
1: Yeah, our stock market, all it is is an auction. Think about an auction. Someone is trying to sell you something, and someone else is trying to buy something. You guys got to get together on what price you want to pay for that. Well, you don't want to pay what someone is asking. You know? That's right. You always want to get it cheaper. That's right. We never, we never go to what they're asking. You know what I mean? But it's hard sometimes because we see what everybody is asking. You know, we see the depth of the market where it might be difficult for you as an individual to see it. We know that there's, oh, there's a bid there for this much and a bid there for this much. There's an offer for this much. You know, we see it. And we say, well, I'm going to put mine right here. And we wait to see if it comes and catches us.
2: It's kind of like buying a house. They'll have an asking price, and then you say, well, that's a little steep, I think. I'll give you four fifty, exactly. but they're asking 4 80
1: That's exactly what it is, except that you're talking about a piece of real estate called a stock. Right. Very clarified. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Jim. Appreciate the call.
0: Managing multiple mutual funds. Researching professional services. Where to put your savings. If it's about money, and if it's important to you... We want to know more about it. We're here for you. 888 99Chart is how to reach Steve or Justin right now on Invest Talk.
1: we got a George in San Diego. How are you doing, George? Fine. Thank you, sir. What is your opinion of uh,
3: trustees?
1: Are you a first trustee or a second trustee? First, first ones only. First trustee. I like them. Okay, uh, George, you mind if I explain it a little quick for everybody else what they are? Yeah, how much risk is there involved? Okay, and I'll, I'll touch on that. A trust deed is where you're talking about a piece of property, everybody, and right. you are the bank. You're the bank. Think of you're the one carrying the mortgage. That's what a trust deed is. A trust deed is a mortgage carrier. So let's say someone buys an office building and they need. Uh, $300,000, and that's a first trustee. In other words, the first trustee means you're the first position. First position means that if something goes wrong, you get paid first. Right. Okay? So first trustees I'm very happy with. Second trustees I'm not so happy with. But it also depends on how much equity. In other words, if you loan 300000 and the building's worth a million, and you're the first trustee of 300000 there's very little risk there. Exactly. Exactly. Because you're going to get your money, even if the guy goes bankrupt on this building, whether it's office building or a retail shopping center, I don't care, whatever it is. I still get my money back. You'll get your money back. Right. So the risk, George, goes to how much equity is in there. And if you have 50% coverage, meaning that there's no more than 50% debt as a first trustee, he can have more tra- debt than that, by the way. But as a first trustee, yours, you don't care about those second guys. You I just get paid by. first. Yeah, that's right, because you're going to get paid first. <laughs> I see. So as long as you have coverage of 50% or more, that's a very low risk, in my opinion. Now, it's not that liquid, meaning you can't just get your money tomorrow. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no. It's a mortgage.
3: They say they only keep the money for
1: one year. A one-year trustee, is that what they are? Yeah. Okay, because they want to get you out of there, probably because they're paying a high interest rate. High uh, interest rate, right. There's nothing wrong with them, George. Uh, mm. The fear is, let's say they go under. Yeah. Okay, let's say that happens. You won't get your money immediately. That doesn't happen. They gotta then sell the properties. You gotta foreclose on oh, them. Oh yeah, I gotta wait you know, and wait and wait. Yeah. yeah. But they are very good income producers. So I think that's a a good part of your overall investment strategy. I think it's a good idea. Okay, Steve, thank you very much. Thanks, George. Appreciate very the call. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you 888 99 chart, beginning our experience. We're here to answer your questions.
3: At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities the chance to learn better ways of doing things, the prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP financial consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. You're listening to an encore
0: presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Okay, remember, we love beginner questions. Everyone who listens to this program either is a beginner or was one at that one time, so we welcome your question at 888 99Chart. Now, what is the question?
4: I have to say that I'm kind of new to this game. I'm an engineer, so that's kind of what I do. So, I was intrigued. I read uh, a year or so ago about option trading, okay. And so, I've been studying up on it and doing some, what, you know, fake trades, paper trades, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I finally actually started a margin account, uh-huh. a little one, thirty five hundred bucks, you know, just okay. as, as a hobby. Okay. I've doubled the money so far, so I figure that's okay on little little stuff. However, my concern is. With options, you know, there's quite a bit of trading. And I heard something the other day on your program that concerned me about taxes. Because I just have a straight margin account. And, of course, you know, I trade frequently. What do I need to do or know about my taxes?
1: Almost all that's going to be short-term capital gains and losses. And as short-term capital gains and losses, you need to track. It's going to be all at your your income tax rate. So that $3,500 you made is going to be taxed at whatever income tax bracket you're in.
4: I guess what I'm concerned about is, you know, there's so many trades. And, of course, the brokerage firm I'm with, you have all the paperwork that They're
1: it. Dan, they're not going to send you what's called a 1099. And that 1099 is not going to suffice for your tax guide. What you need to do is set up a spreadsheet for your buys and sells. Just track every buys and sell post the date you bought it, the date you sold it, and make a column for short-term capital gains and a column for long-term. And I have a feeling every one of these trades will be under 12 months in duration. So every one of them will be a short-term so you don't have to have a separate column. So every one will be a short-term. And if you just print that spreadsheet out when you get your 1099 from your brokerage firm and attach it and write Schedule A on it... That's what I do, by the way. And I put, you know, whatever the gain is, hopefully it's always gains, right? That's what we think, Dan.
4: Well, and
1: then write Schedule A on the appropriate tax box in your tax return and just put the total number and say see Schedule A. My
4: concern was, you know, I started with, say, just 3500 Yep. the minimum amount. If I was to lose money, I would claim that as a loss, and if I gained money, that would be a gain. All this other stuff I was worried about, you know, some trades I made lost, of course, and some mm-hmm. gained. But it's only on the total at the end of the year that you're taxed.
1: Correct. Your losses always offset your gains and vice versa. So you never have to worry about that. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Eddie in Sacramento. Hi, Eddie. How are you doing? Good afternoon. Hmm? If it's not going to teach me
2: how to make money in the market, where in the heck do I find out the information and
4: get the knowledge that investors acquire?
1: Very good question. You need to start reading, and I know that doesn't sound exciting, but I'll give you a couple of books that you can look at that you can get out of the library or buy, and they're kind of for the beginners, very easy reads, by people who are, have been in the industry, who've been very successful, and they're written in a fashion to try to give you a feel for how this works. Okay. Go to our website at Vestalk.com. A couple of very good books... Is A Thousand Miles from Wall Street by uh, Tony Gray. And if you can't write these down, you can go to our website. We record our shows at bestdocs.com and you can listen to it. Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits by Kenneth Fitcher. And uh, Peter Lynch has a very good book, Beating the Wall Street. Or I would suggest you start with those books. They're very easy and it kind of gives you a good idea of how this stuff works. And if I can give you one kind of rule of thumb, buy stocks that make money. There's too many story stocks, too many hot tips. Don't do any of that. Uh Buy stocks that have good earnings and are growing their earnings. That's a very simple thing to do. And you can find that out by most websites. So I start trying to read a little bit on some of these books, get a feel for how the market works and why this stock or that industry works and goes up. And you you really can teach yourself if you have the interest.
0: What kind of money can a person expect to make in, in the market?
1: There is an element and a feeling of gambling in the stock market. There is that there. Think about it this way. When you're buying a stock, you're buying a piece of that company. If that company is making a lot of money, you're the owner. Of that company. The action of the stock price may go up or down. You don't know. But if the company is making money over a period of time, the price of stock may fluctuate in differently than the earnings. So what you want to do is focus on the earnings because eventually the stock price will go up to reflect that increased earnings. It may take time. People think they can get in, get rich quick, and then get out. That's not how it is in the stock market. That's how it was in the 1990s, but not anymore. The stock market is going to return you on average 10% a year, including dividends, because it has for 70 years. Okay? Great. Thank Thanks you great. very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. appreciate it.
3: Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are the principals of KPP Financial, and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about Parallel Investing and the other KPP financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-99-CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. Let's go to Johnny in San Diego. How are you doing, Johnny? Good, good. Brand new to the investment market. Okay. So
2: just wanted to kind of get a feel for Welcome to the club what kind of things I should be looking for and what kind of things should I be looking to invest in.
1: This is the first time you really got into the market? Not the first
2: time. The first time uh, I kind of had a bad experience with it, and so uh, I lost about $1,500. Okay. Now I'm just looking around and thinking, you know, it probably is the way to go instead of just sticking the money in the bank because I'm not getting any interest on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. the stock market is the best place to invest money. I will say that. I like real estate, too. Don't get me wrong, Johnny. I, I like real estate. The trick about the stock market is that you don't let emotions control what you do. Don't let fear get you out, and don't let greed keep you in. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest lesson to learn for everybody. If you're going to invest in individual stocks, is that your plan, or mutual funds? Uh, Individual stocks, probably. Okay. If you're going to invest in individual stocks, the best thing you can do for yourself is learn how to evaluate a stock price and determine whether it's overpriced or underpriced. You will miss some of the skyrockets, like we do. But you'll also you'll have a margin of safety if you understand that I'm not paying too much for this stock. I'm not overpaying for growth. I'm not overpaying for earnings. Therefore, this is a more reasonable possibility of going up. I think that's probably the best lesson to learn, is try to figure out how to evaluate stocks. Try to get numbers on what's the stock's worth, and is it too expensive? and stay away from them stay away from all the hype that you hear in the news make your own decisions don't buy other people's tips or other people talking about once it hits the news Johnny by the way once you see it on TV it's too late okay too late don't buy the top 10 stocks don't buy the greatest stocks because they've already moved that's how they got there Mm -hmm. don't buy those they're very tempting to buy but don't buy the stuff that no one's paying attention to now how do I find those those are not easy to find I will tell you that what you do is you look around. I've been putting some thought to how people can find stocks and quite a bit of thought. How What's the best way for people to find it? And one of the best ways is, what do you do for a living, Johnny? I sell cars. Okay. I don't really care for the car business, but at some point, some point, the parts companies and the companies that make supplies cars with things, they're going to take off before the car business takes off again. The car right. business never stays in the toilet forever. Okay. Right. This doesn't. Take a look around at what you do, your wife does, your kids like or dislike. Take a look around what's hot, what's interesting. When you go to certain stores and they're busy, and what are they selling? That's one way to do it. And Peter Lynch wrote a book on that, and that's how he suggests that you just look around and get ideas. If you do a lot of reading or any reading on economic news or any business-related news, just think, when you read something, what companies are going to benefit from that? What companies are going to suffer from that? Mm -hmm. If you kind of just think in those terms, start thinking about it, give it some thought as opposed to just reading, but then think about what you're reading. You'll come up with some better ideas. You'll come up with some ideas. You will. And there's no thing you can just say, do it this way. It's not. There's no one thing that you can do it. So good luck, and I wish you all the luck in picking out some good stocks. Buy earnings. Buy growth and buy earnings. Don't buy companies that don't make money and don't grow their money. Buy those kinds of companies. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Let's go to Sid in Fremont. How you doing, Sid? Hi. How are you? Good. I haven't talked to you in a while. I know.
2: Well, I'm still here. Quick question. Sure. You haven't brought up closed-end funds. Do you consider closed-end products a good option or not?
1: Well, not if you're indexing. What I'm talking about is index mutual funds or index ETF, because closed-end funds can trade not at the actual price of what they're worth, what those stocks are worth inside the. ETF or, or a mutual fund. They can trade at a discount or a premium because closed-in right. funds is a finite number of shares. Therefore, there could be more demand or less demand for those number of shares. And so the price could be above what it should be or below what it should be. And that's what a closed-in fund does. Now, from a strategy point of view, Sid, if you wanted to buy an index and you can find a closed-in fund that's selling at a discount to the actual value, that might not be a bad way because at right. some point it will probably go to either the value or premium at some point, right? Because it's an index. Right. It's just following a bunch of stocks, the S&P 500. Or the, and they shouldn't sell at much of a discount or a premium because they're just tracking the index. That's all it's doing. But if something happened where it did sell at a discount, that might not be a bad way to go and buy it. Sid, I appreciate yeah. the call. Thank you very much. Very good. Thanks Thank you. very much. Let's go to Bill in Pleasanton. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing good, you? I'm doing great. Thanks for the call. I have one mutual fund that's it's down
4: about 40%. Mm-hmm. since the meltdown. And it was down, and I just got the quarterly report, and it was down another 8%. You change to a different fund, or?
1: Well, what's the description of the fund?
4: It's a century uh, growth fund.
1: Okay. Then what you want to do is you want to compare it. Go to Morningstar.com and compare it, that particular fund, with all other growth funds. Now, if it's a large cap, small cap, I don't know, mid cap, you need to know that is a large cap fund, growth fund. Then look at all large cap growth funds. If they were down 50 percent and yours was down 40, I know that's bad. You hate it, and I hate it too. But if it outperformed its peer group, you want to stick with it. If the first quarter this year, the peer group is down 12% and yours is down 8 you kind of want to stay with it. I know that doesn't sound good, does it? It doesn't feel good. It doesn't sound good. But, Bill, no, you know, long term, if it's outperformed on the downside, hopefully it's outperformed on the upside as well, and it should make a very good comeback if it's better than the rest of its peer group. Oh, yes. It, it's done very well for me. I've just... I'm just i going to suggest you give it another year. As long as I'm the same managers there, Bill. In other words, he didn't leave, and now you got some rookie there. I don't, you know, time to leave if that's the case. Okay, thanks very much. Appreciate the call. Let's go to George on Liso Viejo. How are you doing, George? Question about international markets. Do they run a cycle like we have in the
4: United States, like the Christmas rally or the presidential?
1: They used to be very, very much tied to our markets. -hmm. But they're getting less and less so. They do not have the Christmas cycle, other than us forcing them to the Christmas cycle. Remember, especially the international markets in emerging markets in Asia, they're not. Yeah.
4: Oh no, I realize. I didn't mean specifically the the. But I meant, do they have other cycles? Other cycles. I see. Similar to that.
1: They haven't been around long enough. Most of them to have developed those kinds of things. Our market's been. It's old and it's demonstrated years and years and years of. Yeah. Cycles whereas theirs yeah. has not been. And theirs is tied much more to their economy, their growth of commodities and farms, because they're still in their infancy as a market.
4: Yeah. I know I see that one of the India funds I watched would go up a couple three weeks, it'd be up twenty, twenty five percent, and the next time it's down fifteen it's like
1: well, it's kind of very a roller, co-
4: roller
1: coaster. Yeah, that's right, George. George has hit the nail on the head. They can be, these merchant markets can be very volatile, and they are. An individual stock, up and down 3% uh, one day, and down, up, down, and 3% day-to-day-to-day to day to day is not unusual for them. So you got to be prepared for that if you're going to buy these, these ADRs. Yeah. Boy, can it be a roller coaster, George. You're right on there. All right, thank you. Thanks, George.
0: Do you have questions about FDIC security, mortgages, money market funds, losses to your retirement plans? Give us a call today, 888-99-CHART.
1: Let's go to Chris in San Jose. How are you doing, Chris? Just fine, Steve. I had a question for
3: you um, regarding uh, day trading. I did not want to get involved in day trading, but while trading and buying some stocks, I got some warning from my trading platform saying that potential day trade. And when I talked to my broker, they were saying something about... um, if you have less than, I think it was twenty five thousand dollars, you couldn't trade more than five trades in five days or something. Does that sound right to you?
1: That's only because of your platform, your particular platform. Who you? Do you want to tell me who you're using? Um, I don't not. know if I would get in trouble for. Okay, yeah. no, don't tell me then. No, that that's that particular platform. Let's say you're using Scott Trade or you're using E Trade. They have right. their own rules. You go to somebody else, and there won't be any rules. You can go to somebody else, so they'll have different rules. So Chris, it's only that platform. They're trying to discourage you from day trading. That's why they're doing it.
3: Okay. Yeah. Because the way it was presented to me is if it was some sort of SEC rule, and I was wondering about that.
1: There isn't. That's wrong. There isn't. There is a a three-day clearing that they could wait three days, but even that—that's that's that's old thinking. They don't have to wait three days, but a lot of companies still do. In other words, when you do a day trade. You buy and sell, you know, for them to click, before you can use that money again, they gotta wait three days. That used to right. be the, the old rule, but that's not necessarily so anymore. But a lot of platforms say you gotta wait three days. They're discouraging day trading because they think people can't, you know, they're too many people losing money. Yeah, it's Well, I'm, not, I'm
3: not trying to day day trade, but it just came out that way. You yeah. know, so at any rate, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to find out. Basically, what the real the
1: real deal was. I appreciate. Yeah, it's just it's just their their particular rules. SEC has uh, guidelines for everybody, okay, and you can interpret those guidelines differently. And one of those things is you're supposed to know your customer. That's one of the guidelines. You're supposed to uh, uh, re, uh, make sure you reduce the amount of risk. Give the, the client the best uh, fill on their prices. There's all these guidelines, and so the companies are left with, well, I have to set up rules to fall fo- within these guidelines. And the SEC doesn't tell you what rules, so you kind of have to make up your own rules, and then they come in and and say, I accept your rules. So they've just got, I think they just got strict, that's all. That I see, up okay, up. Well, thanks a lot,
3: appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Chris, appreciate the call. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages, we're here for you. Eight 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 ninety nine chart
0: 888-992-4278. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99CHART, 888-99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888 99 charters, our number, 888 James in Sonoma, how are you doing, James? I'm interested in your comments on uh, closed-end bond funds, particularly uh-huh. the BlackRock
2: funds, only because I have uh, it's for an IRA, and I have absolutely almost zero bonds in my IRA or in my uh, retail account, and I'm getting a little nervous like everybody else is. I'm the same age you are, and. Um, okay. And I'm just going to introduce a general comment
1: on closed-end bond funds. Uh, 54 years old, a closed-end bond fund. A closed-end bond fund means that he's looking for income from that, the dividend yield. And is the dividend yield supportive by the price? All those kinds of things. A closed-end bond fund means, since closed-end, means that it can sell at, an, at a premium or a discount to the value of the bonds inside the fund. Okay, so it can be worth more or less. But you're really buying it for the dividend. And you'd like to buy it at a discount to the net asset value versus a premium to the net asset value because it's safer, safer to do so. And if your question is, is should you have one? I have no problem with having part of that being in your portfolio, but not a major part at 54 years old, uh, not a major part. If you're younger, I'd say have less. If you're older, I would say have more. As you get older, I would prefer to see either a mutual fund that's not closed in because it sells right at net asset value, depending on what the interest rates are going to do. If the interest rates are high, bond funds are great to buy. If interest rates are low, they're not so great to buy. All right. Thank you. Thanks, James. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Thane in Antioch. Hi, Thane. How you doing? Good. I had a
3: uh, general question for you. Sure. My mom has entrusted me with fifty thousand dollars. Her net worth is probably about two hundred. Okay. But she wants me to do some conservative, you know. So I was thinking some dividend-paying stocks, mm-hmm. and you know, she wouldn't mind if that fifty dropped to uh, forty-five or something. But if it dropped much more, she'd probably start getting a little bit nervous on me.
1: Okay. Uh, conservative. You really shouldn't use the word conservative and individual stocks in the same sentence. Okay. You know, now, there are less risky stocks than risky stocks. I, I won't give you that. But the word conservative probably is a wrong term. Let's talk about what would be good for your mom. I would suggest large dividend pay in stocks, like you have just suggested. Stocks that we know do not go down too much, don't go too up too much. They're kind of staying the same. If you do me a favor, make sure you get about 10 or 15 different stocks. Okay. Of this nature. There's that against the rules. Yeah, you know that 3% rule. Then, if you give me a call in the office tomorrow, I'll be happy to give you some names. Mm-hmm. I don't mind helping people where I can help them. But I can't give names out over the air and just yeah. do these. It just If you ask me a question about a stock, I'll be happy to answer it. The couple I was thinking was maybe GE and Merck and Pfizer. Those are all well-known, well-big companies. But these stocks can be volatile, though. Don't think they can't. Yeah. These are big, solid companies. They're not going away, but they will move around on you. Thanks, thank. Appreciate the call. Okay, let's go to Mark and Stockton. How you doing, Mark?
2: Yeah, I just left my company about a month ago, and I just wanted to know what I should do with my 401k plan.
1: Great. I'm glad to hear that they have 401ks. Most companies do these days, and there's no reason why they shouldn't. You can do two things. Did you start a new job?
2: Yes, I did.
1: And they have a 401k also? No, they don't have a 401k.
2: I'm a contractor, so I, they don't have any uh, okay. benefits.
1: Then what you want to do is you want to roll the 401k into an IRA. Okay, Okay, and it's very simple to do. Don't think it's complex. You can roll that into any type of account. You can go to a bank and roll it into a savings account. You can roll it into a mutual fund account. You can roll it into a stock account. Any place you want to, we'll roll it into. And then you can hire somebody to manage it for you, like us. You know, okay. We manage all types of IRAs. And we do rollover 401ks into IRAs all the time. Is there any fees to roll over the money
2: from 401k? to? It's free.
1: It's no cost. Now, if you have a 401k and it's invested in certain mutual funds, you may have to sell off those mutual funds. In other words, put it all in money market before Uh, you roll it over. Oh, okay. But just call anybody who you want to help manage your money, or you can do it yourself, You can go to E-Trade or someplace else, call them up and say, I want to roll this 401k, and they will send you the paperwork. There's also a form that you're going to have to get from your old 401k, from whoever's running that, your plan operator. There will be a form that needs to be filled out. If you want us to help you with it, give us a call. We'll be happy to do most of that for you. Okay. Maybe I'll give you a call then. Okay. Appreciate the call, Mark. Okay. Thank you. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Talk program, everybody. Please remind your friends that they can listen to Invest Talk five days a week in the four o'clock hour Pacific time, and they can download podcast shows anytime they want. Justin will be here on Monday. I will return on Tuesday. So, everybody, have a great weekend.